This episode of The Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your your coach, your life coach, your relationship coach. We do what we can every day on this show to help you and your loved ones grow healthy, happy relationships and lives long into the future. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about a really interesting subject about how to become a champion. And before we do it, we got to get in a little bit to the diet of these crazy Olympians. Now, here's the deal. Remember, I'm trying to lose some weight. We have our um, our health coach on the air with us every couple of weeks, Jenny Grothy, and she has put me on basically a diet, roughly, that is about 2,000 calories a day. And if I do that and work out a little bit, I'll probably be able to gain four pounds a week or four pounds uh, or lose, sorry, four pounds a month. Is that right? That doesn't seem like very much, but that is absolutely true. So darn it, I got to get going. But I was sitting there reading something about the diet of Olympic athletes. You will not believe what Michael Phelps has to eat in order to keep his performance up. He eats an astonishing, this was in 2008 when he was in Beijing competing for the the gold medals there. He would eat an astonishing 12,000 calories a day. Okay? Yummy. (laughs) 12,000 calories, six times more than I am supposed to eat. He also would burn off about 4,000 to 6,000 calorie, calories a day just because of his workout. Now, ah, it almost makes you want to be an athlete, doesn't it? If you could just go eat that many calories, they would eat like 800 calories of pasta drizzled with olive oil or a dozen eggs. That's about 840 calories or a pint of Ben and Jerry's cheesecake brownie ice cream, about a thousand calories or a pizza, about 2000 calories. Good, good stuff. Now, guess what? Um, Johan Blake, who was a sprinter for Jamaica, and he's one of the guys that started stealing a little bit of uh, Usain Bolt's thunder. Um, during the Olympic trials, he actually, in order to recover from his workouts, he eats 16 bananas a day. 16 bananas a day equates to 100 calories a banana. That's 1,600 calories in bananas alone. Ah, And I find it hard to eat my 2,000 calories. Okay, so maybe what that's saying is my body's saying, Matt, you are an Olympic athlete that just needs to go run in the Olympics. It's just that simple. Or maybe I just need to learn to eat healthier. Well, on the show today, we're going to be talking about not diets. We're going to be talking about how to create excellence, how to become an excellent athlete and take it to the next level. But we're not going to be focusing on the food you take into your body. Instead, we're going to focus what's going on between your ears, your head, your heart, and how to become a top-notch athlete by putting your heart into it a little bit more and seeing more clearly with your head. Okay, so coming up on today's show, we're talking about champions. What does it take to be a champion? It only seems natural that the word sports comes to mind. Here's Ben Wagner. In sports, predicting who will achieve greatness and who will not isn't an exact science. Professional scouting can be a risky business, and primarily because it relies heavily on the evaluation of a player's physical skill set. Now, for example, each year the NFL Draft Combine evaluates the physical abilities of the players in the incoming draft class by putting them through a series of drills like the 40-yard dash or the vertical jump. Now, over the years, some of the NFL's most successful players have put about standing combine numbers. NFL superstars like Vernon Davis, Dwight Freeney, and Calvin Johnson all had spectacular combine outings. But the pages of the combine record book also reveal that many of the top performers in the history of the event never made it in the NFL. Now, take Jamarcus Russell, for example, widely considered one of the biggest busts in the history of the league. Russell had an impressive combine performance. In fact, scouts called him a substantial talent and a rare combination of speed and strength. Russell was taken with the first overall draft pick in the 2007 draft by the Oakland Raiders. And in his career, Russell appeared in 31 games, threw for just 18 touchdowns while netting 23 interceptions, and logged a measly 65 career quarterback rating. And after three seasons, Jamarcus Russell was completely out of football. Another one bites the dust. Russell is not the only professional sports bust. Professional scouts saw greatness in LeBron James, Peyton Manning, and Mike Trout. 
But for every LeBron James, there are dozens of Kwame Browns and Sam Bowies. For every Peyton Manning, there are countless Ryan Leafs and David Carrs. And for every Mike Trout, there are thousands of J.D. Drews and Billy Beans toiling away in the minor leagues. Scouts have been wrong about a player's greatness almost as much as they have missed on other players' potential. For every Jamarcus Russell, there is a Tom Brady. At the 2000 Combine, Brady looked pasty, overweight, and his Combine performance was called disastrous. Brady was taken with the 199th pick of the 2000 NFL Draft, going in the sixth round to the New England Patriots. In 2001, during the second game of the year, Brady came into the game, replacing starting quarterback Drew Bledsoe, who had internal bleeding after taking a monstrous hit from a Jet linebacker, and the rest, as they say, was history. Brady led the Patriots to the Super Bowl that year, beating the St. Louis Rams, who many thought were among the best teams of all time. In his career, Brady has gone to five Super Bowls, won three of them, taken home two league MVPs, and is almost always in the discussion as one of the greatest players ever. And sports is full of these stories. Like Brady, Terrell Davis was taken in the sixth round and helped the Broncos to two Super Bowls. Nolan Ryan was taken in the 12th round of the MLB draft before throwing over 5,700 career strikeouts, winning 324 major league games, and setting a record with seven career no-hitters. And perhaps most famously, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team before, well, you know the rest. So what separates the Jamarcus Russells from the Tom Brady's, the Ryan Leafs from the Peyton Mannings, the Michael Jordans from the Michael Olo Candies? At the professional level, why do some players rise to the top, while other players with superior athletic ability bottom and burn out? The answers and the mental fortitude required to make it as a professional athlete. We often look at professional athletes as having a cushy lifestyle. They make millions of dollars. They date supermodels. And they only have to work six months out of the year. But what we don't see is how much extra work is required to make it. The hours alone lifting weights, studying playbooks, and shooting jump shots. Jamarcus Russell thought he could be a starting quarterback on his talent alone, and he didn't put in the extra effort required to be great. When Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, he saw it as a slight and has worked his entire career to prove that he was better in the sixth round. At the professional level, everyone has physical ability. What separates the champions from the bust is the mental fortitude to recognize what is required, to want it, and then to do it. Last year, after a crushing regular season defeat in Miami against the Heat, in which he went just 8 of 21 from the field, the Los Angeles Lakers' Kobe Bryant was found alone in the empty American Airlines arena hours after the game, still in uniform, drenched in sweat, shooting jump shots. You may have heard the phrase, the heart of a champion. The heart of a champion doesn't come from being clutch or from having swagger or from dating a supermodel. The heart of a champion is forged late at night, alone in a gym, drenched in sweat. Ben Wagner there on the Matt Townsend Show. Up next, our guest, Dr. Jeff Spencer, joins us. He's an amazing man, a coach who's coached many athletes and uh, from Olympics on to the Tour de France victory winners. He's going to show us how we can even get more out of ourselves. That's next on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A medical tool for astronauts that could change your own life. It's an ultra-tiny medicine chest that's right where you need it. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A device designed at NASA's Ames Research Center for use with astronauts on deep space missions may forever change the face of Earth medicine. They call it a biocapsule. Made from a bundle of inert carbon nanotubes, the tiny capsule is loaded up with specific cells that release tailored doses of medicine into the body whenever it's under threat. The original idea was to implant these tiny capsules in astronauts' thigh tissue with an easy, painless procedure. There, it could release on-demand anti-radiation medications during Mars missions, where solar flares may be dangerous and unpredictable. But these capsules can do so much more, and for all kinds of patients. One of the first non-space applications being explored is to load the capsules with pancreas cells to control diabetes without using injections or needing to monitor insulin levels around the clock. Unlike daily insulin shots, the capsules could work in the body for perhaps years at a time. These biocapsules are also candidates for a better way to apply chemotherapy to cancer patients and to treat genetic problems like hemophilia. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Why not get your business involved as a sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and BYUTVSports.com. For details, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. The big problem is not Russia and the United States. What worries me is some of these rogue countries with their crazy dictators. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Travel the musical road of American history on Highway 89 Scenic Byway. With music from talented musicians from BYU campus and across the globe, Highway 89 brings you the best performances from classical to jazz and folk to rock. Tune in for a musical journey with Highway 89 at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. This Wednesday on an all-new episode, The Food Nanny helps Brooke White, a top-five finalist from American Idol, focus on family mealtime. The heat from the kitchen meets the spotlight of the stage on Food Nanny, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV. This episode of The Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. And welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Now, we're, we're taking on a big topic today. I, I think really an important topic. When you think about the Olympics, you think about excellence and, and taking your life to the next level. Is, is excellence something that just kind of happens to you because you got great DNA and you're perfect? Or is excellence something that you go out and you create, something that you bring out of yourself, by hard work, by discipline. That's what we're addressing right now. And we're bringing on our expert, Dr. Jeff Spencer, champion maker. Now, Dr. Spencer has one of, seriously, one of the most incredible um, resumes I think you'll ever hear. Dr. Spencer has literally helped numerous Tour de France victory winners, Olympians. He's an Olympian himself in cycling. Uh, he's the author of Turn It Up, How to Perform at Your Highest Level for a Lifetime. Dr. Spencer, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And what a great, uh, timely interview here with Olympics. Couldn't have been better. And I wanted to pick your brain because I, I think we all just kind of look at these athletes. We think they're special. I guess we know they're special. But you kind of know the behind the scenes. You know what's going on with these guys because you have so much experience. Just give us some of your resume so the, the people out there can really appreciate who they're listening to. Well, I appreciate that. I was an Olympian in the 1972 Olympics as a sprint uh, cyclist. Uh, I also have a master's degree from the University of Southern California in sports science. I was International Sports Chiropractor of the Year here a couple years back, and I've had the privilege of being deeply buried in the lives of others and helped them win over 40-plus world Olympic Tour de France and national championships. Wow. So really, uh, Matt, every DNA molecule in my body is really calibrated since the age of eight. I've only been around champions. That's all I know. And there's one thing I know how to do, that's to win big and help others get there. That is huge. And is it, so as you look at these people, as you get to know these people, I mean, are they different overall? Well, are they different, different or are they just like the rest of us? No, not really. It's like really uh, success is a learned behavior. And certainly you have to have the right biology. And it's important that we match our gifts and our talents with our ambitions. And mm. that way we have the best uh, opportunity to live a life of passion and productivity and prosperity really based upon taking our talents and converting them into a real-life platform. But really, behind the scenes, the, level, the playing field is pretty level, and it's really about what you do. And there is a myth that you have to be perfect to yeah. become a perpetual peak performer. It's an absolute complete myth. Like, you have examples. I mean, you know people that, I guess, blow that myth completely up. Well, yeah, there's two myths. I mean, the first myth is perfection because really the champions know that it's not about being 100% perfect. They know that it's about the 1% to 2% that matters, and they focus 100% of their time and effort on the champion's golden rule, which is to do the homework and the test is easy. They, they know that it's all about preparation and having the right 
structure where they show up each and every day and dedicate themselves to accomplishing the training that has to get that done that that done that day to be able to create the readiness to be able to step up and peak perform and it's oh, no difference whether you're a parent whether you're a business person whether you're on stage it's basically all the same it, it and it's it really comes down to sounds to a lot of discipline is is it discipline like if you had to put it in what is it is it just focus well, let me say this first and foremost. It's like most people think that it's will and talent yeah. is the guarantee, and it's not. I mean, there's plenty of will and talent that goes nowhere, and nobody right. knows that better than myself because, I mean, my dad was uh, a bona fide genius, and yet he died homeless on the streets of New York City. He lived mm. in a cardboard box behind the polar bear exhibit at the New York Park Central Zoo. So mm. it's his will and his talent didn't give him what was necessary. He didn't have the infrastructure or the structure to cultivate his talents, and what makes a great champion is the discipline to be able to show up to do the action steps to create the readiness to be able to step up and convert opportunity into a success rather than fumble the football on the one-yard line. It's truly about showing up and having the structure to be able to cultivate your talents to do that. And there's two other parts to this, is that you can have the structure to build yourself, but you need the mentorship to be able to help you out. And every great champion has multiples of mentors that help them point them in the right direction. I mean, the only difference between me and a first-class thug is the fact that I had good mentorship at the right time to keep me on the right path because I had virtually no parent participation whatsoever in my life ever. I guess the only benefit of that is that I never learned the word, I can't do it. Yeah, you didn't know, did you? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know any different. So, you know, that combined with then the final ingredient is you have to have faith and hope in the process because... You know, life never turns out the way that you think that it's going to, but that should never get in the way of showing up each and every day and putting one foot in front of the other to continue the quest to be able to perfect your talents so that you can capitalize on opportunity when it shows up. See, I mean, and that uh, that is so uh, that brings such hope, you know, that a guy whose parents weren't involved in their life in his life, whose dad, you know, was homeless in a park can turn into a doctor of chiropractic, can turn into a master's student, can be an Olympic athlete and can lead and, and, and write. But I mean, it's that in and of itself, just your life is enough to bring hope and, and belief into what you're teaching. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And as I said, in really, truly, every Olympian knows that you don't win alone. It's not possible. You need a team that can do things to support you on every level. And it's really a matter, again, of finding the blueprint to know what to do to be able to cultivate the skills and to have the right mentorship to point us in the right direction Hmm. and have faith in the process to show up each and every day and keep putting one foot in front of the other until we hit that critical moment of readiness where we're able to recognize opportunity and we have the confidence to seize it and be able to convert it into another life success. And that's really what the champions have learned. And it's not something that comes naturally to any of us. I mean, our natural state of being is fear and fear of loss and not embracing anything because in our own mind, we've already set ourselves up for failure. So we really need to take on another standard, another reference point for what the rules are to the game by which we acquire the skill to honor the privilege of converting our talents into success to pay honor to the fact that we've been given talents and an opportunity in this lifetime to create a life of meaning and purpose, to be able to create and leave a permanent stamp in our legacy, our immortal stamp on human history that counted for something that pays honor and a tribute to that privilege. I love that. It's uh, it's kind of like just stand up. You keep kind of just, you got to show up. You just got to be there. It's um, a critical mass. I mean, for sure. It just doesn't happen overnight. And it's, what do you see is the, what deters these, these high-level athletes, these that have been so trained? What, what are the things that are getting them down? And, and how do you see that it's just the same stuff as the average Joe? Well, it is. I mean, that's the myth of it. As a matter of fact, the, the higher you go up on the food chain there, the more complex life gets and the more challenges that you really face. Oh, it's just yeah. that, you know, as I said before, the champions – only pay attention to the 1% to 2% that matters to be able to keep their life evolution moving forward. They're not distracted by all the things that could potentially go wrong. So the mindset is entirely different. You know, they don't chase perfection because they know that that's an unattainable goal, but they create a level of readiness by maintaining a focus on a well-scripted day that has very specific things that have to happen to build the skill, to be able to develop the independence, to develop confidence in yourself that you can create a life for yourself by developing your own skills. And that's really the difference between those who can and do and those who can and don't. 
Yeah, they've just got they they've kind of simplified it. They're not they're not focusing on everything. They're focusing on the core things. That's it. That's exactly right. And then they deliver and deliver and deliver. Well, and the other thing that I want to say about this too is that you know people think, well, you know, I'm not ready quite yet to embrace something. Well, you're never yeah. ready in your own mind because that's the way that our minds are programmed. You know, in our own mind, you're never going to be ready enough to do anything. What the champions do is that they develop a minimal competency in the thing that they want to achieve. And then with that minimal competency, then they engage it and they apply it to see where it goes. And then they get feedback that tells them specifically what the next step is. Because, you know, life never happens the way that we think it's going to anyhow. You know, it never does. 90% of what we think is going to happen doesn't happen. So the champions have a very contrarian view of this. And and the benefit of this is, is that they look, number one, at, Failure is their teacher because it tells them what to do, but it compresses the timeline to get to where they want to go. And the other myth here yeah. is the myth, you know, is the myth of fear. It's like you know, we feel in the human blueprint, the way that we're born, that until we overcome fear, that we're not capable of success. And it's like I don't know whoever came up with that, but that again is a complete myth. As a matter of fact, I was speaking with one of my uh, clients here recently that won a gold medal in the Vancouver Olympics because she pushed the two women bobsled. She said, Jeff, you know what? It's like if I don't feel fear. Before I compete, I feel like something's missing. And this is a person that gets it because fear is a natural response that we all have, but it's a readiness to be able to engage something that we should embrace, not fear, and run for the exit for. As a matter of fact, the champions actually kind of put themselves out there periodically right at the edge or slightly beyond what they believe that they're capable of to test themselves and put them in a situation that they may fail at to be able to see what they've really got. So really, if you lead a fear-free life, it doesn't usually mean that you've conquered fear. It, le- it means that you're living life too much in the safe zone. I That's love the reality that. of what it is. Well, and fear is your friend, and uh, I mean, that really <laughs> is it. It's People are too afraid to stick their neck out there. And then you see these Tour de France guys or the Olympians or whatever that are riding down the Alps at 40 miles an hour or whatever, however fast they're going. Talk about fear. I mean, well, again, it's, yeah, you know, you, if you don't put yourself out, there, out on a there. periodic basis, yeah, and it's like, you know, how many times have we all done this where we do something that we've always wanted to do, but we're afraid to do it, and we realize they succeed at it, and it's like, well, if I had known it was going to be like that, I would have done this 20 years ago. Yeah. So well, the idea is that incredible. we really have to, you know, train ourselves and purposely put ourselves in a position on a regular basis where we test ourselves at the edges. That's the only way that we're going to find out who we really are and what our real skills are, and what the skills that we need to acquire are to be able to advance our life forward. Well, help us with that, because I love that idea. And as, as I sit here and think of a bunch of people driving home from work um, after a long day, and how could they push themselves at the edges at, in their work life or in their father as a father? Where do you see in kind of their more personal roles, not in a sports role, where do you see them, and, and how do you see them doing that? How do you coach people on that? Yeah, again, there's no distinction between sport, business, and family, or on stage. It's all the same thing. I think, again, they, they need to take an inventory of themselves and come up with a list. You know, what is it that I've always wanted to do? And then they kind of look at their resources in terms of time, effort, skill level, space, equipment, etc. And then they take something that they've always wanted to do that kind of fits that parameter, and they make a plan to do it. And then they also involve the kids because that's a lesson that the kids need to really learn early. Kind of like, come on, let's try something. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is going to work or not, but what do you say we try it together? Let's go on an adventure. I mean, everybody wants to go on an adventure, right? Right. So the adventure is let's take something that we've all wanted to do, and maybe it's just the dad, maybe it's just the mom, and let's make a plan to do it. I've never done this, but I'm kind of excited to try it. Let's see what happens. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that we don't get it right the first time, but there's always a second time yeah, to get it try right. It so again. What do you say? Who wants to go on the trip with me? All of a sudden, everybody, yeah, let's yeah. go, Dad. You know, load up the car, man. I'm ready. That's neat. And what the about the day? That, I mean, that's amazing. The day that, um, the day that you finally are done. I mean, the, the day that you're finally done being afraid, and you're just yeah, exactly right. And your kids are learning day, that you actually. don't need to be afraid of that. Right. Yeah, today's it. the day. Seriously, yeah. take the one thing that you're afraid of and do it. This is what I done. Seriously, one of the most prolific athletes in his sport that I work with that came to me said, look, i got a problem here. I want to work with you because I know you're the champion maker, but i got a dilemma. I'm the most talented athlete in the sport, but I'm also the greatest underachiever. Just imagine getting up every day to hear that in your own mind and hear yeah. everybody else say it. I mean, there's only so many days that you could take that. You're so talented, but you're an yeah. underperformer. That's Can you amazing. imagine that, listening to that every day? No. 
So anyhow, I said to him, well, this is simple. You know, it's not your talent. It's not your ability. Everything's ready to go. This is really about you. So what we're going to do in training, I didn't really tell him this, but I set him up with something that he could not succeed at. He knew he was going to fail when I told him what I wanted to do, but I wasn't going to let him off the hook. So he went out there and he tried it and he failed, like I expected and so did he, even yeah. though we didn't say that that was going to happen. And I said, what's the lesson here? Is that you're still the same person, right? You didn't die. So let's go back and let's try it again using a slightly different technique. Yeah. So I think the sooner that we put ourselves out there and we drag the boogeyman out of the closet and we see what it is by trying it and realizing, okay, maybe I did succeed. Why didn't I do this earlier? Or let's say we didn't. Well, now I know what I need to do to be able to overcome it. So then you implement it, you overcome it. Now you have belief in yourself and you know what it is that the champions do repeatedly day in and day out to raise their game. It's that simple. Oh, see, and it, it, it sounds so simple. And yet, it, there's so, it's so much of this is just head game. It's just all head game, isn't it? A hundred percent. I mean, look, our, our primal biology, our primal response to life is the fear response. It's like, get out of here. I mean, seriously, we're born, our human blueprint, our human instinct, our human nature has more confidence in our ability to fail than it does in our ability to succeed. Interesting. It is. Yeah. It's a human blueprint. We are born with that template. We've got to break that chain of that. We've got to break it. We do it. Yeah, we've got to do it. So this is simple. You, you take a task that's slightly outside your reach, and you think about it, you prepare for it, you make the provisions to be able to do it, and then you see what happens. And what? you realize, number one, you succeed, great. It shows you what you can do. If you don't succeed, it tells you what to do. Great. And you, you didn't yeah. die. Exactly. So you went and you way, didn't right? die. That's such a great <laughs> phrase. Either way, it's great. You either it didn't is. die or you learned. It's exactly I mean, right. Or you so succeeded. you come out a winner either way. See, that really is a, a pretty fabulous, I think, approach to um, – to seeing life. And I wonder if it's, you see it in your own personal life. You see it, it's everywhere. This is just, it's the same pattern. It's just pick your, pick your location. I mean, it really is. And the sooner we get over that myth, the better it's going to be. Seriously. What are some ways that you help break down that myth? What are some other ways you get into their brain and say, you know, let's change this? Well, I, I think, again, it's like let's do an experiment. Let's take a task here and let's see what we can do and let's see what the outcome is. So first of all, we pick a task. And it could be any task. Why don't we take one that you've always wanted to do? And now let's give yourself permission to be able to do that. Okay, so let's do an inventory. Do we have the time, effort, the skills to do this? If the answer is yes, well, let's set up a time where we're going to do this. You know, no backs. We set it up. We're going to go for it. Whether you're prepared or not, we're going to do it. And then you show up and you do it. That's great. And that's the simplest way to do it. And that's how you develop a familiarity with the blueprint. That's how you start to become your own champion. You just repeat this day in and day over out. And pretty over. soon you collect the skills and you develop a belief in yourself and you understand that perpetual peak performance is really, it's an applied skill that anybody can learn, but you have to learn it and you have to apply it. Yeah. And you have to believe that you're worthy of success and you have to realize that it's not will or talent. It's about structure. Look, my mom died. Uh, it, her final, she died prematurely mm. from a broken heart and he, she lived her last several decades in desperation because she never connected with her talents. No child should ever be around that, seriously. That's right. It was the most difficult period of my life other than seeing and knowing that my dad died homeless on the streets in New York City. But what they died from was a lack of structure and a lack of belief in self and a lack of faith in process. And those are things that we can train ourselves to embrace and realize that those are the keys that allow us to develop the skill and the self-belief in self to be able to first create small successes. And if we can create it on a small scale, then the next time we make it slightly bigger. And then all of a sudden life becomes another adventure and we have a passion and a reason and an anticipation to get up each and every day to be able to explore life's opportunities. Love That's it. what the champions do. Oh. Okay, Dr. Jeff Spencer, we're going to take a break, give everybody a chance to Start thinking and figuring it out. When we come back from the break, Dr. Jeff, I want you to, I'm just going to pick your brain a little more. I want to find out um, about you, like, like, because that is such a telling story about your childhood. I want to find out what are what have you learned about you as you are dealing with all of these top notch athletes, all of these high level performers? What are you learning about you, your strengths, your weaknesses, and what should we all be working on ourselves? That's right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. For the 2012-2013 season, BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. Don't miss BYU football. Touchdown! Cougars take the lead! Men's basketball. Davies to the middle! And the right-hand stop! Women's basketball. Brigham Young University Cougars are the West Coast Conference champions. Baseball. A walk-off grand slam and BYU wins it! And more. All the major sports, all season long. Only on your home for Cougar Sports. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Good afternoon for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. I'm Ian Jones. Here are a few of the stories we're following today. Thousands of Medicaid providers in three states were paid billions of dollars while they owed hundreds of millions of dollars in unpaid taxes. AP correspondent Tim McGuire reports. The Government Accounting Office says a loophole in the law makes it hard to cut off Medicaid payments to doctors, dentists, and other providers who owe back taxes. That's because the money isn't technically considered federal funds since it's paid through the various states. The GAO looked at only three states, New York, Texas, and Florida, in the study covering 2009. It found $6.6 billion was paid to 7,000 providers who owe close to $800 million in unpaid taxes. Tim McGuire, Washington. A federal appeals court in San Francisco has put a hold on Arizona's new law concerning abortions. AP Radio's Bryant Thomas reports. The court is temporarily prohibiting Arizona from enforcing its new ban on abortions starting at 20 weeks of pregnancy. The panel of the Ninth Circuit issued its order Wednesday, two days after a trial judge ruled the ban could take effect today. Now the entire appellate court will hold a hearing on the law as soon as possible sometime this fall. Abortion rights groups appealed the federal judge's ruling that the ban is constitutional. The Arizona ban applies except in cases of medical emergency. I'm Brian Thomas. The AP's Mark Hamrick reports the Fed is concerned that an already weak economy faces double trouble in the months ahead. The Fed's biggest near-term worries are, one, Europe's financial crisis sapping strength from American manufacturers, and two, the so-called fiscal cliff, a combination of tax hikes and spending cuts set to take effect in the new year. That's if Congress and the administration are unable to agree on a solution. Job seekers in Maryland and now in Illinois no longer have to worry about being asked to provide the passwords to their social media accounts, but most workers across the U.S. don't have that protection. AP correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. What would you do if you needed a job and the hiring manager said, give me the password to your Facebook account? Think about what you post there. You might mention political beliefs, your religious affiliation, your sexual preferences. Law professor Lori Andrews at the Illinois Institute of Technology's Kent College of Law. So in Illinois, there's a new law making it illegal to ask a job applicant for their passwords. ACLU's Ed Yanka. To get a job, they shouldn't have to surrender their most private and most intimate thoughts. Yanka says it's time for the country to update privacy laws that haven't been changed since the social networking era began. I'm Jackie Quinn. And that's all for now from the BYU Radio Newsroom. Thanks for tuning in to Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Ian Jones. This episode of the Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. Working as a radio producer, I also moonlight as an English teacher. And during the couple of years that I've been teaching, I've learned a few things myself. One of the biggest things I've noticed about my students is not their ability to write, but their confidence in their ability to write. And I have found that students who believe that they can improve at writing do, even if they think they are the worst writers in the world. On the first day of class, I always ask for a show of hands to answer the question, who thinks they're a bad writer? And inevitably, almost all hands in the class go shooting up. But the most important part of this exercise is me explaining to them that writing is a process. A lot of students think that if they cannot sit down and just write a good paper, then they must be a bad writer. But it takes more practice, time and patience than they realise. Papers have to be drafted and revised, edited and proofread, and the professional writers we encounter on our bookshelves and websites do not simply churn out perfect writing. And even after manuscripts have passed through ten pairs of hands, they can still contain errors. So it has become clear to me that perhaps one of the most valuable lessons I can teach my college freshmen is that they have to keep consistently trying without giving up, and that if they do this, they will most likely improve. 
It doesn't mean they'll be the best writers on earth or win a Nobel Prize for literature, but it does mean that they will have the satisfaction of earning something because steady progress is what life's about. That's Corinne Collins, uh, one of our great producers. Now, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We are joined by Dr. Jeff Spencer, champion maker, just an incredible doctor, coach, athlete, stud. I don't know quite how else to say it. He's the <laughs> author. Knows. He's the author of Turn It Up, How to Perform at Your Highest Level for a Lifetime. He just has incredible insight. He's worked with over 40 top-level athletes, Olympic, world champions, national champions, cycling, Tour de France victory winners, everybody you can imagine. He's an Olympian himself and has really just he's just lived what he teaches. And we, we, we've asked him to be with us today to give us some ideas in, in how you create excellence. How do you take some of these myths that we live up, that we believe in, that you know other people are just more special or that we can't overcome this, and how you blow some of those up? So welcome back with us, Doctor. Appreciate you joining us again. That's my pleasure. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Now, Tell us about you. I mean, your childhood is amazing, and um, I, I just your your family, your your father being homeless. What's you've just been living this idea of you needed systems, you need structure. People need to just believe that there's a process and have faith in this process. What have you learned about you as you stand and sit there next to these athletes coming from where you've come from? You should never have succeeded. What has it done for you? Well, I think the most important thing for me is that I realize that, you know, every one of us uh, faces the same challenges in life, no matter who one appears to be on the other side of the aisle, that yeah. we all share the same challenges. We all have the same fears. We all have the same issues in some way, shape, or form, and there are no exemptions from this. So, And the other part that I've learned is that you never quite arrive where you really master the skill where it self-perpetuates. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's acquired through its daily application and its daily refinement. Those are the most important lessons in that you, again, you succeed as a team. Nobody wins alone. Nobody knows enough to be able to do everything required to create a life of continual perpetual peak performance. And the other thing that I've learned is that the people on the top spend a lot of time and effort in resources in investing in the one thing that they truly own that they truly believe in and that's themselves they look at themselves they never compare themselves against others i mean how many times have you heard the mantra gosh just imagine if i were only like others what my life would be like and you know the champions they don't do that they say okay i'm really different but what my distinction is and my competitive advantage and my ability to create a life of meaning and purpose is really my difference it's not my sameness right and they invest 100 percent of their time effort and resources in developing that uniqueness, not cultivating the sameness. And I think that the thing that I think about often, Matt, a couple things here. Number one is that there's only one of us in all the creation. There's only one Matt Townsend in all the creation since the first footprint got put on this earth until now. There's only one of you that uniquely qualifies you to do some extraordinary things if you have the right blueprint and mentorship and faith to be able to connect the dots to make that happen. And that's an inside responsibility that requires knowing what to do and showing up and doing it. The other thing that I know is that we're born to succeed. You know, people think, oh, yeah, you're crazy. Why would you even say that? Well, the reason why I'd say that is that I've never, ever heard a person say, I can't wait to get up and fail. I've never heard it. Right. Never. The other thing that I know is that the reason why success is so important to me and to others is that every time we succeed – it says thank you for the honor and the privilege of having the opportunity to succeed. It also says thank you to our parents that gave us the genes. Yeah. It says thank you to our friends that are always there. It pays honor to the mentor that said that one thing that we needed to hear at the right time that changed our life for the better. And it also shows others that you know pulling yourself up to another level is possible with the right structure. And it lifts everybody, doesn't it? It does. It, it, it is. It, it, that, that's the message of that's hope, amazing. is the tangible success that's observed from a distance. And I do know that also one of the things that uh, I have learned that you asked me about is that every one of us has something to say that someone on this planet needs to hear right now. Yeah. Because we're an expert at something through our life experience that if we had to say one thing, we know what that is through our life experience. And one more thing that I'd like to add here, Matt, is that 
I think today's world, with the challenges that we face with this rapidly and dramatically changing world, there's a tendency for people to think that they're insignificant. And, you know, does anybody care what I think? And, and, and do I have the capacity to make any impact whatsoever in anybody's life? And I can tell you this, is that three years ago, we adopted a 10-year-old girl from Colombia, which was a miracle adoption because oh, most neat. people look at a 10-year-old yeah. as damaged goods. Yeah, who wants that, right? That's exactly right. So, you know, at my age, it means every day for the rest of my life is going to be devoted to raising this child. Beautiful. I mean, you've got to make your life count for something anyhow. So yeah. the, the, the take-home that I can say without exception is that the one thing that I have learned from this experience with this wonderful human being is that if you don't think what you say and what you do counts, adopt a kid. And you're going to really see that they hang on every word and every action that you do that shapes and forms their legacy. Mm. And they're not just a collection of cells, but this is a human being that gets one pass through this dimension. And how they respond and interpret life is going to be directly proportional to what we do. So I would say to I the listeners, that. never, ever, ever underestimate the, pow- the power of your words or your actions. Yeah. Never under any given set of circumstances ever doubt that. So those are the things that I primarily learned in my journey so far. Well, and that's, I mean, and you're just halfway, Jeff. You're just barely getting going on your journey, really. (laughs) I mean, you're adopting a kid, 10. I mean, you got got the teenage years coming up. You've got some fun stuff to look ahead. (laughs) I know. Uh, It's interesting. I love this idea that... um, because it would be in, it would be easy to just sit there and say, yeah, well, that's easy for Jeff because uh, Doctor Spencer because he's you know he's just so he works with the top notch athletes and so excellence is easy for them whatever blah but it's not true that's not true but I sit here and I think you have to be excellent what you were saying is like I I, my, I just finished a doctorate and when I finished my doctorate I exactly. called my mom told her I had finished it and my mom and my sisters start crying. So they're looking at me and the success at finishing a doctorate, and they're emotional, and they get to look up to us. That is their payoff for that's excellence. It. That's, their, that's, that's their gold medal. That's as good as it's going to get. That's it. That's and right. That's why we have to strive for excellence, isn't it? Well, we're, we're born to strive for excellence because those people that have a passion and a goal and a vision, they're the people that can't wait to get up in the morning. That's right. The people that, know, that have no visibility, that have no rudder, they're the ones that complain their life away and believe that, you know, they're victims of life's tragedy. I mean, they're a victim of their lack of own initiative and their own inability to be able to connect with a vision and develop the skills to be able to manifest it. So, again, right. I have great compassion for that because my mom died of that. She was addicted to prescription medicine mm. because of that. Yeah. So I have tremendous compassion for that. But the, but the reality of it is, is it goes back to three things, as I said before. Number one, you need a template, you need a blueprint to follow. And, and the reason why champions are so compelling to observe is that the champions aren't going to do anything that doesn't work. Right. They've, they've already told us what to do, whether it's in business, the sport, at home, or on stage. It doesn't matter. They've already told us what to do. We just need to kind of observe what it is that they do. And the second thing um, about champions is that they never try to be perfect. So we've kind of exploded yeah, that. that. They kind of embrace it, initiate as quickly as possible, yeah. and they're not really interested in psychology. I mean, right. psychology, the theory of psychology, doesn't, it doesn't really necessarily explain the why. Exactly. But, but why doesn't reform and change either our attitude or our memory on how mm-hmm. things get done, and it doesn't change us. What changes us are the action steps that we implement day in and day out. That's what reforms us. And that's why we need a blueprint. That's why we need mentors to help guide us mm. on the journey like I had. And that's why we need to have faith in the process. That's the only way that you can do it. That's amazing. What Jeff, when you think of the, your mentors, the people that have been your great guides, who, who are those people? Well, I had a beautiful coach that uh, took just a kid that was energetic and would do whatever he said. He's the person that I uh, give credit to for helping me make an Olympic team. He taught me the importance of showing up on time. He taught me the importance of respecting not trying to do too much, but to do the right amount of everything. He taught me the uh, importance of gratitude. He taught me the importance of picking yourself up off the pavement when you got your bumps and your bruises. And kind of what he said to me, you know, it's like if you don't have the occasional bumps and bruises, then it means that you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Don't look at it as a failure. Also, when I was 18... Uh, last time I saw my dad was when I was 16. He just disappeared off the face of the earth. And, 
I had a great mentor. He was a Victorian man of immense uh, proportion and just a Renaissance man if there ever was one, and I was having a bad day. And he said, Jeff, you're having a bad day, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. I haven't had many good ones, as you well know. Hmm. And he said, would you like a helping hand? And I said to myself, Matt, I mean, it's just as if I'm there today. I was kind of looking at his steely blue eyes and kind of, you know, how am I going to thank him for this incredible outreach? It, if there was ever a day that I needed to, to hear that, today was the day. And I said, yeah, I would love a helping hand. Thank you. Hmm. And he said, if you want a helping hand, you got one at the end of each arm. And he turned around and walked out of the room. <laughs> what a jerk. That is so good. Myself, but you know what? The That's empowerment right. that I felt the moment that he turned around and walked away, I knew it was the right thing, and so did he. That's right. Because I felt a strength that I hadn't felt in a long time because he cared enough about me that he was not going to intervene in me having to figure a way out of that to feel a sense of personal empowerment. Accountability. I love that. And that's the name of the game. It is. You, the power is in you. The power, you're even like designed to be powerful, to change the lives, to change the world, to bring the song that only you can sing. It's an obligation to do that. I, I mean, you know, that. Lance survived cancer, right? I mean, yeah. just imagine, you know, having 15 golf ball-sized cancers on your lungs, two cancerous lesions in your brain, cancer in your abdomen, cancer in your right testicle. Oh. I mean, imagine being given that diagnosis in an afternoon and yeah. having any sense of a future or any hope whatsoever. But yet, you know, he survived it, and he has what he calls a survivor's obligation, where if we survive it, then we're obligated to be able to share with others the road and the path, to be able to connect with a deep sense of meaning and purpose in our own lives, to be able to create and leave a legacy that we're capable of that really honors the privilege. And that's part of what each and every one of us needs to do in terms of our outreach to others. Powerful, and uh, we do. I love the obligation of the pass it on. Now, um, we got to wrap it up, Jeff, but tell me if people want to know more about you, your story, there's some videos online they can watch. Where's the best place they should go to find that? The best place uh, by far, and thank you for this, Matt, is to come to www.jeffspencer.com and take a look around at the website and take a look at the tools and the resources that I've put together to help others become their own champion. Love it. And so appreciate just your, your motivation, your experience, because honestly, I, I, I think we're, all, we're not necessarily all living up anymore, are we? We're kind of sliding down as a society, and if we can, no if we can just start living it. some of what you're teaching, it's, it's going to work. It's, it's, really, it's really important, to Matt, only because the intangible rewards of that far supersede anything that we could get for ourselves tangibly in life. Oh, yeah. and, and let me say this, is that if there's ever a time in human history in a leaderless world where our communities need a beacon of hope, sanity, and courage, it's today. And I just suggest and hope and pray for everybody that they take that opportunity and they appoint themselves to be that person in their community to be able to provide that invaluable service. So that being said, Thanks again for the invitation, Matt, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate that, and we will for sure have you back on to to pick your brain and your expertise a little bit more. Dr. Jeff Spencer, champion maker, author of Turn It Up, How to Perform Your Highest Level at Your Highest Level for a Lifetime. You can check him out at jeffspencer.com. We will be back after this break with more ideas, tools to help you uh, to be more effective in your life right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. No, really, flying cars. And it's not a joke this time. Today, we'll look at two of them. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. They've graced the covers of science and technology magazines for generations, tempting us with visions of an airplane you could keep in your driveway or garage. This year, two such vehicles have made successful test flights, and one of them, the TerraFusia Transition, is already a hit of the auto show circuit. The transition is described by the makers as a rotable aircraft. That is, it's an airplane first, one that can fold its wings and become a street-legal car. So you can fly to an airport, then drive to your final destination. The second craft comes from the Netherlands and is called the PAL-V. This one looks like a blend of tri-wheeled motorcycle and a gyrocopter, with a sleek look, like something from a James Bond movie. 
Both vehicles will sell for around $300,000, which is steep for a car, but rather on the affordable side for conventional aircraft with similar performance. What's not clear is if valet parkers will need a helmet and logbook to park your next ride. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Start your day right with Marcus Smith and the Morning Team. We're going to talk about um, just stuff, you know, lots of st- things that show up that, that once we're in your home and they go to somebody else's home and how do they get there? Maybe by way of a thrift store. Join in for conversation on current topics and events from around BYU campus and the world and get your morning talking. Tune into the Morning Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join hosts Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. An artist's passion for music is born when the desire to create beauty is planted within them. Witness the stories behind the passion and performances on The Song That Changed My Life, Mondays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU-TV. Have you ever wanted to travel the world? Now you can experience the vibrant cultures and customs of countries across the globe and cities across America through the eyes and ears of folk artist Eric Dowdle. Tune in to Traveling with Eric Dowdle and travel the world weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This episode of The Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. Now, we've just been talking with uh, Dr. Jeff Spencer about becoming a champion. And uh, what we want to do now, not make fun of that idea because we want to push you to be your best, but we do want to just talk a little bit about being mediocre. Isn't that okay? I wouldn't have said this a week ago, but I think it's fine to be mediocre. And the only reason I say that is because I misunderstood what the word meant. I thought mediocre meant to be lazy, because that's what teachers in school kind of implied it meant. But looking it up, I actually found out it's from the Latin word mediocris, if I'm pronouncing it right. And the prefix M-E-D means middle. Middle state, medium, median of the road, and medium really is a good thing. Think about it. If a stair is too tall, you can't climb it. And if you've ever tried to walk up a stair set that's too shallow, it's really kind of a tripping hazard. That medium-sized stair is just right. Princeton University says not making enough money can stress out a family and make them feel kind of sad. And being rich causes...